2 Corinthians chapter 1. That'll be our starting point today. And um, I, I want you to pay attention to, uh, we'll start with verse 8. It says this, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Aren't you glad today God has given us deliverance in three tenses? You can look back to your past and see where you've been delivered. You know you're currently being delivered. And you know this, he'll yet deliver you. Hallelujah. Now along that same line, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want to read something else as our foundation for where we're going this morning. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. We'll start there. We'll read 10 and 11. Paul said, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now go to the next chapter, chapter 4, and look at verse 17 and 18. It says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's interesting but you, because you see him looking back to where he's been delivered. And looking forward to where he'll be delivered again. And uh, the the title for our message today is very simple. It's, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. As a matter of fact, just to have a little fun with the media guys, when I sent them the title of the message on Friday so they can put it on the CD, I told them, don't forget the apostrophe. Now, that'll hit some of y'all on the way home, but (laughs) moving right along. Hey, now. But uh, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, I was in my car and uh, uh, I'd gotten a hold of some old music and, and just put it in to check it out, see what it was like. And there was a song on there that I hadn't heard in a whole lot of years. By that very title. He'll do it again. And when I first heard the song, I remember I was 18 years old, maybe 17 years old. And now I'm (laughs) 41. We believe in telling the truth in church. But I I want to read these lyrics to you real quick. And some of y'all may ring a bell, some of you won't, but, but pay close attention to the lyrics of this song. You may feel down and feel like God has somehow forgotten that you are faced with circumstances that you can't get through. Right now it seems that there's no way out and you're going under. But God's proven time and time again, he'll take care of you. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you've been. Hasn't he always come through for you? 
He's the same now as then. Don't you know God has not changed? You may not know how. You may not know when. But he'll do it again. God knows the things that you're going through and how you're hurting. He understands just how your heart has been broken in two. He's the God of the sun, the stars, the sea, and he is your father. He'll calm the storm, he'll find a way, and he'll fix it for you. Then it goes into the chorus again. Then the last part of it is, he's still God. He will not fail you. He's still God. He has not changed. I know he's still God, and he's fighting for you, just like Daniel Just like Moses, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God will do it again. Oh, yeah. And I got to tell you, the, the reason why it hit me the way it did, and I wanted to encourage you with the encouragement I got, as the scripture says, I wanted to comfort you with the comfort wherewith I have been comforted. Is I thought, you know, I appreciate the song now more than I did when I was 17 or 18 years old. Because I could say then, just take a look at where I am now and where I've been, but I ain't been very far at that stage in life. But at this stage in life, I've been somewhere. And it took a new meaning on to me to take a look at where I am now and where I've been and to know that any fix God got me through, anything he's done for me, anything he's turned around, any miracles that he's worked, that's not just a part of my That's a part of where I'm going. God can do it again. God will do it again. And I wanted to bring some encouragement to you this morning. As we saw there in the writings of Paul, the verses we read here in the beginning. That deliverance is not just the story of your past. It is the story of your future. We see what he said. He said that God delivered us from so great a death. He does deliver us. And in whom we trust that he still will deliver us. And his writing to Timothy where he said that out of all the persecutions he faced, the Lord delivered me. And then he goes on to say in the next chapter that the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. We got to remember what he's done. I just want to stir you up this morning. As a matter of fact, you know, the epistle of Second Peter is interesting. Because there's two references there to this very thing. As a matter of fact, I don't mind if you turn there. Second Peter 1. In this process of knowing that God will do again what he's done previously. And that God's not done working miracles in your life and working things out in your life and getting you where you need to go. He's not done. And it's easy to come across something where you say, all right, I'm in for it this time. As though the God who has got you through previous tough times and situations in your life has somehow met his match. What a puzzling thought that is to think that someone all powerful would come across something more powerful than he if, if, if we're thinking that, there's nothing wrong with God. Something wrong with our thinking. Because He is Almighty God. 
And there is nothing in life that we can face that is more mighty and powerful than he. Remember what he's done. Second Peter, are you there? Chapter 1, verse 13. Look at this wording. He said, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, referring to his body, to stir you up by reminding you. How many of you have ever been at a point where you needed to stir yourself up by reminding yourself about some things? You needed to stir yourself up to remember some things because uh, if not for that that view and that perspective, you, you may be very down about what you're facing and very uh, negative and, and very full of doubt and, and full of unbelief regarding what you're facing. But then you start to remind yourself of some things. And as you remind yourself of what God is like and who he is and what he's already done and the fact that, that he's not run out of juice you know, you, uh, uh, the, the battery's not wore out. He's not like your cell phone now. You know, that, that he's still got everything that he needs to take care of you going forward. Sometimes you just got to stir yourself up by reminding yourself. And sometimes you need somebody else to remind you. And that's what I'm here for today. Hey, Second hey. Peter 3, 1. We see the same wording again. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Stirring you up by reminding you. See, there's a danger in forgetting. As a matter of fact, you're in Second Peter, go to chapter 1, verse 9. Right there in chapter 1, Peter uh, list, uh, um, puts out a list of virtues that, that every believer should have and, and that these, uh, these things should be abounding in every believer, he said. That they should be in you and abound. But then in verse 9, he says this. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed. From his old sins. The importance of being reminded is because we don't want you to forget. We don't want you to forget. You can get in trouble if you forget some things. As a matter of fact, uh, let me quote this to you. Psalm 78 verse 42. We're talking about the people of Israel said they did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy. They did not remember his power. They let some things slip. They let some things be forgotten. And I'll, I'll, you know right there in Psalm 78. Also verse 7 and 11. That's easy to remember 7 11. Psalm 78 7 11. It talks about the danger of forgetting his works. That That's the, the idea of. Remembering and forgetting not is a theme that's all throughout the Bible. Even the idea of remembrance of what God did by delivering the children of Israel and bringing them through the Red Sea. It's not just that little chapter in Exodus where it happened that makes reference to that. You see at least a minimum. Of ten other references throughout the rest of the Old Testament reflecting back on God delivering his people through the Red Sea. So there's something, there's a precedent in scripture for being able to look back and remember his works. And it's something that strengthens you and builds you up for the works you need done right now. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, uh, uh, James chapter 1 verse 25 uh, warns us about not being a, a, a forgetful hearer. Don't be a forgetful hearer, but be a doer of the work, a doer of the word. Psalm uh, 103 verse 1 through 5, it's amazing, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Starts listing some benefits now. Who forgives all your iniquities? Heals all your diseases. Redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Satisfies your mouth with good things. Hey, hey, hey. Forget not all his benefits. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord was uh, speaking to the children of Israel as they were about to go into the promised land, giving them instructions, very important instructions. He said, beware lest you forget the Lord your God. So that when you're living in houses that you didn't build and partaking of vineyards that you didn't plant and, and, and driving cars that somebody gave you <laughs> and, and, and be wordless, you get to the point where you say, I must really be something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you think that the might of your own hand And your own power and your own cuteness got you all that stuff. And Deuteronomy 8, I believe it's verse 18. Oh, yes, it is. says, but you shall remember. Someone say remember. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Someone say, remember. Remember. Don't forget. (laughs) Psalm 145 and verse 7 says this. They shall utter, U-T-T-E-R, the memory of your great goodness. Oh, Lordy. And shall sing of your righteousness. Now, now, are, are you uttering the memory of his great goodness in your life? How often do you do it? Or do you forget? Sometimes you, you, you can almost get into a pattern of thinking you've always been where you've been. That's the benefit of reflecting. Because when you reflect and when you look back. You say, oh, it ain't always been like it is now. It may not be everywhere it's going to be. But you can look and you find things to say thank God for. Because you see that he's gotten you through. Now, um, if I can have the sound booth put this up. This is... uh, Two verses out of Isaiah in the Amplified Bible. This is Isaiah 26, 13 to 14 in the Amplified. Read this along with me. O Lord, our God, other masters besides you have ruled over us, but we will acknowledge and mention your name only. Next slide. They, the former tyrant masters, are dead. They shall not live and reappear. They are powerless ghosts. They shall not rise and come back. Next slide. Therefore, you have visited and made an end of them and caused every memory of them, every trace of their supremacy to perish. Oh, now. Now, one thing that really gets me there, it starts off by saying, other masters have ruled over us, but we will acknowledge and mention your name only. You know, that's just something that that we as believers need to get. You know, uh, someone uh, would tell the story about uh, the the old Pentecostal lady that just kind of got her praise mixed up in the wrong place in a testimony service one time. 
and, and happened to make this statement. She said, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. <laughs> and obviously she, she was sending a praise to the Lord, but it, you know, didn't quite fit together. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but, but there, there's something that, that we need to get away from. Uh, uh, there's a tendency to, uh, uh, elaborate on what the devil's doing. Who cares what he's doing? We know he's going to be here doing what he's doing. And we're not ignorant of his devices. We're, we're not going to put our head in the sand and pretend he doesn't exist. We're, we're not going to, uh, uh, we're not going to ignore him from the standpoint of not doing what the scripture tells us to do, to resist, to resist him steadfast in the faith. But, but the thing is, I, and Psalm 23 just paints the, the wonderful picture of you having a table prepared before you in the presence of your enemies. And, and what many believers do is they're at the table, but they, they got the chair turned and they're messing with enemies rather than enjoying what's on the table. You, you know, isn't that just the strategy of the enemy? You know, to try to see if I can sidetrack somebody, divert their attention so that they're not focused in on what's theirs in Christ and what is lavishly prepared before them by the Father for them to partake in and enjoy. Let me see if I can sidetrack and divert their attention. And so right there, even though they're right there at the table, you got the enemy messing with people, diverting their attention, getting them all caught up in other things when they could just say, it's only you. Turn around back to the table and dig into the goods that God's got for you on the table. You see that? So, so there, there's, there, there's something about us being at a point where we're going to do like this verse said, Lord, we will mention and acknowledge your name only. We ain't going to talk about the devil and what he's doing. And uh, we're, we're not going to glorify hard times and glorify defeat. No, no, we got victory on our tongue. We got victory on our tongue all the time. We're not talking about how hard it is. We're talking about how good it is. Hallelujah. We're, we're not talking about how, you know, the, the devil's got everything going bad and the world's going to hell in a handbasket and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's very obvious from the scripture that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. But if darkness is getting darker, hey, that just means light's getting brighter. Hey, hey, So the question is, what are we focusing in on? But the, the other beautiful part of that verse, as we're talking about our, our, our memory, what we remember, what we're supposed to remember, what we're supposed to reflect upon. These verses that we just read up on the screen declare this, that the Lord has made an end of those tyrants and he's caused every memory of them to perish. I want you to know whatever you've been through and whatever you're going through right now. Let me tell you something from heaven. That all you got to do is keep on going with your eyes on Jesus and those tyrants that are messing with you right now, as you go further down the road that, and, and you look in the rearview mirror, those guys that look real big right now, when you keep on going down the road, they get real tiny in that rearview mirror. As a matter of fact, I love the wording. I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, talking about a day when, when people actually look and, and see Lucifer, the one who fell from heaven. And say, is he the one who shook kingdoms? <laughs> you know, they said they will, uh, the old King James uses a term that they'll look narrowly upon him. In other words, they'll look on him like, you mean all this trouble that was caused in the world was caused by you? Because he really ain't all that. He wants you to think he's all that. 
He wants you to think that he's big and bad and going to blow his house down. But he can only blow your house down if you let him to. And I made a decision. I'm not letting him blow my house down. How about you? Hallelujah. So those are some of the treasures there in that verse. That's Isaiah 26, 13 to 14 in the Amplified Bible. Let's go on. Let, let me talk to you about understanding the significance of, of memorials. Something we see in the scripture. Go to Joshua um, chapter 4. Understanding the significance of memorials. Joshua chapter 4. The children of Israel led by Joshua... At this point, they've just, God supernaturally split the Jordan River, just like he split the Red Sea, and they went over to the other side of it. And that's the setting in which we're reading here as we begin with verse 1 of Joshua 4. It says, And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the knowledge, in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. It's interesting, sometimes there's uh, locations that can serve as a memorial. Uh, A physical location that can remind you of something that happened there. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes when someone gets saved in the church, and, uh, and they continue going and growing in that same church, they remember the spot at the altar where they came and knelt or stood and received the Lord for the first time. I even remember places as a young person where I had absolutely amazing times with the Lord and could still go to the spot today and remember the location. Not because of the location itself, but because of what happened there. All right. In Exodus 12, it talks about a day. (laughs) Joshua 4 talks about a location. Exodus 12 talks about a day called the day of Passover. Where God said that this day will be to you a memorial. And you'll keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. uh, As an everlasting ordinance. And that's interesting to me because you see... I'm just naturally inclined in the direction of remembering dates. I remember dates and what happened on those dates. And that's a blessing to me because when that time on the calendar comes around, it's real easy for me to say, whoa, I remember what happened on that date. I mean, there's times I'll just in the the middle of a work day, take a few minutes and come on in here in the sanctuary in the middle of the day. And give God some thanks because I can look back and and remember what happened on a certain day. Or I can remember where I was on this day so many years ago. And I'll take a look at where I was uh, then and look at where I am now and say, oh, thank you, Lord. There's something about having that continual memorial and celebration of where you are now compared to where you were. As for the purpose of building and charging your faith 
for where you're going. See, God's got your past, your present, and your future working in this thing here. Hallelujah. So we see the, the, the location. We see the day as a memorial. And of course, you can't talk about the Passover. You can't talk about the Bible without understanding that there's a meal that's a memorial. All right now. Because, of course, there's a Passover meal, but we found out in the New Testament that Jesus is our Passover. <laughs> Jesus is our Passover. We, we found out that, that when he was uh, having that last Passover meal with his disciples, that, that he broke bread and, and he served in the cup. And, and he uh, said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And then what did he say? He said, do this in remembrance of me. So we're talking about locations that can remind you of, of, of things that God's done in your past. Special days of God's deliverance. Days that you can remember the, the mighty deliverance of God in your life. But then there's this meal. Mm. Go to 1 Corinthians 11 real quick. I want you to see this with your own two eyes. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. It says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. First of all, you see three tenses here. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, present tense, you proclaim the Lord's death, something that's already happened, past tense, till he comes, future tense. So you are doing in your present what you're doing in your present by sharing in this wonderful Lord's table. This meal of remembrance, this memorial meal. You are doing something in your present that looks back to the past of what he's already done. And then rejoicing that you're benefited by it, not here only in your present, but throughout your future until the Lord comes back. It's covering your past, your present and your future. As a matter of fact, look at it like this. What did he do in his death? So you're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. What did he do? Well, only everything. <laughs> what did he not do? What is not covered by his death? Everything's covered. Spirit, soul, body, your crazy emotions. The chastisement of our peace. Was upon him. Financially we've been taken care of. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Yet for our sakes he became poor. That we through his poverty might be rich. So in every sense of the word. We are fully redeemed. And so when you're dealing with what's in front of you, you can deal with it through the power of what's already happened behind you. What's already happened behind you? The death, burial, resurrection, and the seating of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're dealing with what's in front of you, you're dealing with it on the basis of the victory Jesus won behind you. And that's why you can mix your tenses, shall we say. You're talking to something that's now, but you're talking to something now in a past tense kind of way. Kind of like Peter did when he said, by whose stripes you were 
heal? Because you're addressing something in your life right now. You're addressing something that you're facing. But you're addressing it based on what's already been done in Christ. Because you're looking back through this memorial meal and celebrating and proclaiming what he's done. And so you're taking what's done and you're applying it right now to where you are at in this present time. And you can keep on doing that over and over again as often as you need to till the Lord comes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The meal of remembrance. How awesome is that? So we we see the precedent for this throughout the scripture. The precedent for remembering. Memorials. Not Forgetting and letting that be a boost for your faith that the same God who's come through before, he ain't forgotten how to do what he does. His power, his power is no less than it once was. He did not run out of strength, run out of power, run out of energy. No, as a matter of fact. He will do the very same thing that he's already done. He's the same. He's not changed. That's the thing we need to remember. We must remember that we're dealing with somebody who does not change. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3 and verse 6, he declares this, I'm the Lord and I change not. In Numbers 23 verse 19, and Pastor John has loved preaching on this verse, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Well, what does repent mean? Well, well repent means that you're, uh, you're uh, you know, for, for us, when we repent, we're going one way and we turn and go another way. So to say that he's not the son of man that he should repent is that he's not going to be going one direction one day and turn and go another direction the other day. He don't need to repent because he's already going in the right direction. And James chapter 1 says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no varying and not even a shadow of turning. So here in this that verse, James 1, 17, let me, let me quote it for you again. Listen real good. Every good gift and every perfect gift. So it's talking about gifts, all right? It's from above and comes down from the Father of lights. So now it's talking about the giver of the gift, all right? And then it says something about the giver. It says something about his character. It says that with him, there is no variation or shadow of turning. So let's put it together like this. The giver has not changed. So if the giver has not changed, then I think it's very safe to assume that the gifts that the giver gives have not changed. So anytime somebody tries to tell you, well, you you know, God don't do that anymore. That was just for for that time way back then. Uh, and, And then, you know, the apostles died and, you know, that stuff didn't happen anymore. Some people believe that. I'll tell you what, I don't believe that. I'll tell you something else, God don't believe that. The gifts have not changed. Because for the gifts to change, the giver would have had to change. Oh, come on now. So because the giver's still the same, then the gifts that the giver gives are still the same. So why should the receiving be any different? It shouldn't be any different. Because the giver's the same. The gifts are the same. So we should be receiving just now, just like folks received back then in good old Bible times. Let me tell you. Because there's no difference. No difference in the giver. No difference in the gift. So let's start receiving. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen to that. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. 
You know why he'll do it again? Because God is a God who does not forget you. See, we've seen the warning about us forgetting him. But the flip side of that is that he will not forget you. And this is a key phrase. God is a God who remembers covenant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Malachi 3.16 says God's got a book. (laughs) Got a book of remembrance. That's written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And and, then the the way this book came into being, the the first part of the verse says that those who feared the Lord spoke one to another. And the Lord listened and heard them. So so some folks got together for fellowship and started talking about the goodness of the Lord. (laughs) And the Lord wrote a book, a book of remembrance. God don't forget. (laughs) You know, Hebrew says that God's not unjust to forget our work and our labor of love. But the idea of God remembering his covenant is the most amazing. Exodus 2.24 and 6.5 basically say the same thing. That God heard the groaning of the children of Israel as they were there in Egyptian bondage. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham. Mm. Remember Hannah, the mother of who became the prophet Samuel? She's praying in church one day, praying like a crazy woman. The priest thought she was drunk. But guess what? God heard that crazy praying woman. And the scripture says that the Lord remembered her. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, come on now. Psalm 105 says this in verse 8. That he remembers his covenant forever. He no mistake in that one. That very same chapter, verse 42, it says he remembered his holy promise and Abraham, his servant. So God remembers his covenant. God remembers his covenant. God remembers the promises made and who he made the promise to. God does not forget. And so as we get ready to close today, let me say this to you. That if God remembers the covenant, we ought to remember the covenant too. So why don't you open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Someone say he'll do it again. God remembers his covenant. So why don't we remember his covenant? As a matter of fact, do you know that God don't mind you remembering what he said and reminding him of it? As a matter of fact, don't you know that the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah to the people? Telling the people to plead your case before God. Telling the people, this is God speaking, put me in remembrance. Remind me. See, see, that is so foreign to our thinking. But God does not mind for you to say, Lord, let me remind you about something. Because here's the thing. God does not feel like he's being imposed upon because he's totally in agreement with keeping his covenant. But I tell you what, God being a God of faith and a, a God who is pleased by faith. Loves to see faith in the hearts and in the words of his children. When they would come to him being a reflection. Reflecting back to him the very thing he said. As that Lord you said it. I'm here to collect. <laughs> Hallelujah. First Samuel 17. Are you there? We're going to wrap this baby up in style. Here we go. Verse 33, let's take a look at this. This is the setting. 
the children of Israel are facing a big guy, a real big guy named Goliath of the Philistines. And there's nobody in the whole army who's taken on the challenge of um, fighting this guy. He was the champion of the Philistines. And he put out the challenge and said, anybody want a piece of me? And when you're that big, there's a whole lot of peace. But, uh, <laughs> and I don't mean P-E-A-C-E. All right, here we go. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he's a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion... And from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So we see David remembering his covenant with God. And knowing this, that this enemy that he's facing, he don't have covenant with God. That's why he specifically referred to him as this uncircumcised Philistine because by not having the mark of circumcision he was not in the covenant that God made with Abraham but uh, the, the thing that I really want to see here as we wrap this up is that what David did was he rehearsed some former victories he looked back at some experiences that he had in life along the way where he was delivered as, uh, shall we say, a boost for this next deliverance here. He said, I remember the lion and I remember the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of them. Because he looked back at what God did before and he made this statement to himself. He'll do it again. And I want Faith Christian Center to know today. You can be facing the biggest, baddest, most serious situation of your life. And I know there's a lot of you who are. But you can go back and look at the time when you had your bear and your lion experiences along the way. You've had some victories along the way. You've seen God do some things before. And God bring you through some things before. Some things where you still scratch your head and say, I, I, I don't know how I got out of that one. I know what woulda, coulda, and it shoulda happened, but it didn't happen. I see favor come out of nowhere at the last minute. It just didn't make any sense. Well, favor really don't make sense. <laughs> it's just God favoring you because you're his. And you've seen so many things along the way. And there's something about rehearsing previous victories, which is not living in the past. We're not talking about just living in the past. But we're talking about using the past for the purpose of what you're facing right now. And remembering that the same God who's bailed you out and delivered you and gave you wisdom. When you didn't know what to do and you had one word drop in your heart and you knew what to do. When you didn't know how something was going to get paid. 
I remember one time I needed to pay something and I'm there Friday afternoon. The bank closes at six and I'm there at 545 uh, taking those, you know, those old dollar coins they made in the 70s. I'm, I'm, I, I had some of those in my coin collection and I'm putting those in at the last minute just because I need that little extra so that I know when when that debit goes out the next day, it's covered. Anybody been there but me? Come on, somebody. So, so you can look back and see times where, where you didn't know how you're going to make it and somehow you, you made it. You, you didn't know what the result was going to be and somehow God got you through. And the thing is, is that now as you're facing what you're facing, is it time to say, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it? Is it time to say, well, uh, th- this one might have, might have drained Calvary. There might, might not be enough power in the blood for this one. How foolish can we be to ever have a thought like that? Because if anything bankrupt, it's not heaven, but hell's bankrupt, I'll tell you that. So as you are facing whatever it is you're facing today, I want you to know that the very same God, the very same God, I, like, you know, in Acts chapter 1, when, when the, the angels said to the guys who were there when Jesus ascended, why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus. Is coming back just like you saw him go? Well, this same Jesus who has gotten you through things before in your life, this very same, not a different, the same Jesus is going to get you through what's facing you right now. And the blessing is this, is that here you are in your present, taking advantage of what's been done for you by Christ in your past and applying it to your present and applying it to your future until the Lord returns. Someone give him a shout today. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name. We honor you and give you glory. We thank you for the word of God, the encouragement that we've received today. Lord, we are encouraged by your words. And I thank you that, that anybody in this house who needs to take this and apply it to the giant they're dealing with right now, I thank you, Lord, that we will do so and they'll do it with confidence in the name of Jesus.